So most of us know the benefit and the value of making lists, right? So if you want to accomplish something in this world, you have something important that's got to get done, you got to put it down on a piece of paper, you got to write it down on a list, and then when you finish it, it's a great feeling, right? Because you get to do what? You get to check it off the list. Like this is sort of normal human there's some list wackos out there. Maybe you know some of those list wackos. The kinds of people that they accomplish a task and they didn't have it on their list, they have to go back and write it on their list so they can check it off again. You know those people? So lists are great. They serve a good function, keep us moving forward and organized, accomplishing the things we want to accomplish. But you know we do lists with people too. So with the people we love, we have lists of things in our minds that we have to do to keep the relationship good. We gotta remember certain dates, remember certain things. We keep lists about the people we love. And maybe you've had this experience before where you've hurt someone you love pretty bad and you've had to go to them and say, man, I screwed up big time with you and I'm not sure what I have to do, but whatever you tell me to do, I'll do because I messed up big time. That's a list, right? They're gonna give you a list of things that you better do and you better do it fast or you're gonna have tension problems between you and that person. So we have lists with people, interesting, and even with our bosses, supervisors at work, isn't it helpful when they give us a list? Hey, I need you to do this. Here's a very clear set of things that I need you to accomplish and whatever you tell me to do as someone who's an employee, whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. I'll check it off. I want to accomplish what you're asking me to accomplish. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, the reason your life is a train wreck is because you don't use lists. So maybe you should get on using lists, okay? But I think that's normal as humans to use lists to keep us focused. So we're in this series asking questions about church, why we do things at church. And today we're going to ask the question, why do we baptize people, dunk them in water? Why do we celebrate the Lord's Supper or communion? Why do we do these things? And, and one of the very basic answers to that is we do these religious activities because checklists make life simple, right? So, we think to ourselves, my tradition is to go to church, so on my Sunday, here's my Sunday list, and on my list is, you know, do the laundry and go shopping and clean the garage and go to church and eat some food, and if I can go down that list on a Sunday and check, 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 I get to the end of the day and I go, good, I did what I wanted to do, my week is complete, I checked the box for all the things I was supposed to do this week, including going to church. I mean, many of us see church as that kind of list. Maybe we see church as a religious activity that's kind of like when I offend my friend and I say to my friend, what do I have to do to make things right between us? We kind of have that conversation with God sometimes, don't we? Where we know, okay, I'm not perfect, but God is. I've messed up everything and he's holy okay, God, I, I kind of have this conversation with you, like, God, what do you, what do you need me to do to make things good between us? And it's as if we think he gives us this list, like, okay, Joe, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to church, I want you to get baptized, and I want you to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And if you do all those things, we'll be good. Okay, and I'm going, okay, God, you're good if I do that, and I'm good, happy, great. But 
that's so far from the truth of how God sees things. That's not it. That's dead wrong in how he views humans. And maybe you never heard this before. I'm not sure. If you got baptized and your entire life you had perfect attendance, shiny stars on every Sunday between now and when you take a dirt nap, and if you took communion three times a day your entire life, that's not going to change how God views you. You see, I'm broken and sinful, and there is no way any of my good deeds or religious activities are going to make me good enough for God. There's nothing I can do to make myself good enough for God. So why do we do these things then? Why do we do communion and baptism then? What's the point? Okay, let me jump into that with you. If you have your Bibles, we're in Ephesians. Ephesians starts with an E. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And you can open up your electronic copy of the Bible, a paper copy. You can use our app. Love for you to follow along with me. And this is an incredibly important passage of Scripture. It's one of the core summarizations of what it means to follow Jesus. If you hear nothing that I say today, but only hear this set of verses, that's life-changing. Because what it's going to summarize for us is that the only thing that makes us right between me and God, only thing that makes me good with God is faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul, the author, is going to say. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. That's the true statement about all of humanity. All of us are dead in transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work in those who were disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Pivotal verse, verse 8, highlight, underline. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. It's by grace you're saved through faith. It's not anything you can do by works so that no one can boast. you hear this good news? I mean, the good news is you don't need a list. The list isn't going to help you. The list isn't going to change anything. The only way to be good with God is faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. There's no amount of work, religious activity, no amount of good deeds I can do that outweigh my bad deeds. There's no anything I can do that can make God love me any more or make God love me any less. It's faith that counts. Grace through faith. And it's 
faith, by faith, that I begin to understand my true self. That my true self is that I'm broken, that I'm a rebel against God, that I'm a sinner. There's nothing that's going to change that. I'm just messed up as can be. It's by faith that I begin to understand it. It's by faith that I understand God loves me so much that he sent his son. It's by faith that I realize Jesus really lived. He really died. He really rose again from the dead to hand me eternal life. It's by faith that I live. And let's be honest for a moment. I'd rather have a list. I'd rather God say, here's a list of things you got to do, Joe. And if you do these things, check, 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 we're good. That would be a better answer in my mind. I'd like that better, right? Because having faith in God is hard, isn't it? To believe and trust and follow someone you can't see or physically hear, that's tough stuff. So God, you know what? I don't like your system very much. I'd like you to give me a list. It's kind of how we would want things to be as humans. And yet from the beginning of the end of the Bible, there's this recurring verse, this recurring theme that the righteous will live by faith. And that big word righteous, it just means a right relationship with God. That God and I are good, that even though I'm broken and sinful, we're good, that we're not disconnected, but we're connected. We're not against each other, but there's a reconciliation that takes place where I have a walking, talking relationship. That is righteousness. And that righteousness is not by baptism. The righteous will live by catechism. The righteous will live by baptism. The righteous will live by communion. The righteous will live by how many verses you know. The righteous will live by how good you behave. No, the righteous will live by faith. That I believe Jesus really lived, really died, really rose again, and he changes me from the inside. How many of us just go through the motions acting like I'm righteous by the checklist that I live by? And that's not it at all. So if getting baptized and taking communion doesn't make me right before God, if baptism and communion doesn't make God more happy with me, then why do we do it? Thank you for asking. Let me tell you. A couple things. Baptism and communion express my faith in God. It's an expression of my faith because when I put my hope and trust in Jesus, that's something I work through in my head and my heart. It's an internal reality that I make a decision I'm going to follow Jesus. It's something that's happening inside. And when I celebrate communion, take the Lord's Supper, or I get baptized, that is an expression of what's taking place on the inside. What's going on, on the inside begins to express itself on the outside. The outside world begins to see that I am a follower of Jesus. I go public with my faith by being baptized or by celebrating communion. Think of it this way. How tired are you of eating cold bread with your hot eggs, right? Can we all like, does anybody like a cold piece of bread with eggs? No, you want it toasted. 
So this is incredible. There's this thing that Hamilton Beach makes. It's this four-slot toaster. And you put cold bread in this thing. Incredible. you got to check this out. You put a piece of cold bread in there, and you have this little dial that you can make it go toast, toastier, toastiest, fricasseed. You can turn it up, and this cold piece of bread goes in the slot. You push it down. It stays in there. Have you seen this? It stays in there for a couple minutes. It pops out, and now you have hot bread with hot eggs. I mean, it doesn't get any better. I want one of those Hamilton Beach toasters. And so I've been saving my money wanting to buy this toaster. And somebody found out I was saving for it. And they bought one for me. And they gave it to me as a gift. I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to pay for it. I just get it. And when they hand it to me, you know, everybody in the room might go, wait, he got a toaster. But inside, I'm like, I got a toaster. I got a toaster. If I just go, I got a toaster, and I, I don't express myself, everyone goes, what a lame gift. But when I get the toaster and I go, woo, toaster! What happens? Everyone gets to see on the outside what's going on on the inside. When God sent Jesus into this world to pay the price you couldn't pay, when God gave Jesus and solved the problem you couldn't solve, and he nailed him to a cross and rose him again from the dead and handed you this free gift. When you accept it by faith, if you don't express outside what is going on on the inside, and that's what communion and baptism does. It allows the world to see that you love the toaster. You love Jesus, and it expresses that in a way that honors God, the giver of the gift. Baptism and communion strengthens my faith in Jesus. So one of the other things it does is it strengthens. So God made me, he knows me, and he knows that I'm very tactile, physical. So the spiritual realm is one that we can't see and touch. It's real and we know it. But God knows that we're practical, tactile beings. And so he created these expressions of baptism and communion to allow us to express in the physical realm what's going on in the spiritual realm. And when we do that, it strengthens our faith. Just like when someone says they love you and they give you a hug, they're expressing on the outside what's happening on the inside. And that outward expression strengthens your affection for one another. God wired baptism and communion for that same purpose. And he also uses baptism and communion to strengthen our faith because it's really about obedience to God. So I dumped a lot of scripture in your app, in the Faith Church app. I would love for you to download and look at it. And I'm going to read a bunch of scripture to you that's there in the app. You know, Jesus dies and rises again. And before he goes back to heaven, he talks to his disciples and he tells them this profound thing statement. He gives them a job description. He says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth, Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, and he gives them the job description, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He says to his disciples, here's your job. You hung out with me for a bunch of years. I'm leaving. Here's your job. Go tell other people there's a free gift. It's faith in me that will change your life forever. And when they say yes and they put their trust in me, dunk them underwater. 
baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's a command that he gives. And from the moment the church began, people were baptized as an expression of their faith. And they also, at the moment the church began, they always gathered to remember the resurrection of Christ and the celebration of communion. So Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I'm also passing on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I mean, a command he's giving. Hey, remember. He gives these commands. Remember the death of Christ through communion. Remember the life of Christ through baptism. And when we're children and we do what our parents tell us to do, as children, that's when we grow and we're strengthened. When our boss says, here's what I expect you to do, when we do what our boss says, that's when our career is strengthened. When the God of the universe makes a command and says, this is what I have for you to do. When you obey his command, it strengthens your faith. Even if you don't understand fully why, you're acknowledging in your obedience that he's the boss. He's the one that's in charge, and whatever he commands, you do. So if he says, get baptized, what do you do as a son or daughter of the king? You listen. If he says, I want you to regularly celebrate communion, you listen. And when you do that, you'll experience blessing. And when I say blessing, I don't mean you're going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. It means you're going to be under the favor of the king who said, this is what I want you to do. And you experience that favor. It strengthens your faith. Baptism and communion unify believers in Jesus. So part of why he has designed this for us is to unite us together as followers, sons and daughters. You see, God gives us these expressions to show us that we all stand on level praying ground. I mean, you look at the diversity of the people that follow Jesus, all kinds of different backgrounds. God wants his kids to get along and to be unified together. And what is it that unifies his children? Jesus, the Son of God, unites us together and so that when we're baptized or we're watching other people baptized, when we celebrate these elements together, it reminds us that we're one family. There's not good sons and bad sons. Good daughters and bad daughters. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God that desperately needs Jesus to save us from our sins. And so with all the disagreement and disunity that's happening in the world and within Christianity, baptism and communion is intended to be a place that God unites us together and we can look around and go, I'm not alone. Because sometimes, maybe you're like me, sometimes I feel like it's crazy to follow Jesus. Sometimes I feel like I'm the weirdest dude in the world when I'm just walking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'm just trying to follow and obey Jesus. Like, you could look at me and go, what a nut job. Why are you following Jesus? But when I come and I witness baptism, when I come and celebrate communion with other believers, I'm reminded, wow, look at all these people that believe in Jesus too. That unity strengthens me, helps me, 
to want to continue to follow Jesus. Here's the last thing baptism and communion does. It's an expression of our faith. It strengthens our faith. It unifies us as a family, but it also refocuses my faith in Jesus because I'm so prone to wander. I mean, I fall and I mess up and I walk away and I give in to temptations. There's days that if you looked at my life, I'm so far from what it looks like to follow Jesus, I'm prone to wander. And God in his grace has given us these expressions, baptism of communion, to remind us that we are children of God and intended to follow him and to refocus so when I watch someone baptized, be baptized, it reminds me of when I was baptized. It reminds me when I got wet and said, I believe and follow Jesus and I want to honor him. It refocuses me. When we celebrate communion together, the intent is to refocus us because I wander. I wander away. So Paul, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven, when he institutes communion, he says, so then whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup of the Lord, don't do it in an unworthy manner or you'll be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many of you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. He, he's trying to say there's a gravity to this little piece of bread and this little cup, that you don't just make this a joke. This isn't just religious activity. This isn't just filler in the service. No, that this really represents the actual body and blood of Christ. He actually lived, died, rose again, and you're proclaiming to the people around you, you believe that he lives inside you, and that you're to take inventory, Paul says, of your life, because are you prone to wander away from God? Are you prone to slide into temptation, follow your feelings, do whatever is convenient? I am. There's something about the regular gathering that recalibrates my faith, that if I didn't have baptism and communion, I might wander away from the Lord for months and years and maybe decades. But he's designed these regular reminders to refocus and recalibrate because there's real consequences as sons and daughters of just wandering away and not listening to dad. He's recentering us. So can I encourage you today that if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you should be baptized. We have one coming up at the end of June, and you can sign up online or in our app. But it's so easy to make excuses and go, I don't want to get wet. I don't really understand it. Why should I do it? The Bible commands, if you put your trust in Jesus, you're to be baptized. And if you can't follow that very basic command, then what else are you picking and choosing that you're choosing not to follow, not to listen to him? And so just encourage you that he wants to strengthen your faith through your obedience. Choose to be baptized and watch how he blesses you. But I also encourage you as we take the Lord's Supper in just a moment together to use the quiet moments, to not go through religious motions, but to actually think about what you're doing. When you hold the elements in your hand, these elements represent that Jesus lived, died, and rose again. Do you believe it? 
And have you wandered away from Jesus? Are you living in a way that's not pleasing to him? Be honest with him. Take inventory of your life. Because when you look at your life and ask God to show you your sin, you don't need to be nervous about that or scared about that. Because when you confess your sin to Jesus, he is faithful and just to forgive you of sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So when you confess your sins to him, he's actually going to heal you and help you not harm you. Would you pray with me? Maybe you've spent your whole life pursuing religious lists. Maybe today is the day that you're realizing that ain't going to cut it. Maybe today is the day you put your faith and trust in Jesus. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Not by works, by faith. So God, in the sound of my voice, there are people that have yet to put their trust in Jesus. I pray today would be the day that they have confidence. You love them and they're forgiven and they're a part of your family forever. For your sons and daughters that are here, help us to express our faith, to not keep it inside us, but to express it through baptism and through communion, that you might strengthen us and help us and grow us into sons and daughters that honor you. Oh God, please unify your family around Jesus. Forgive us for being so distracted and disunified, all kinds of diversions. Remind us that the church of Jesus Christ is a family of love and grace and truth and unity. Unify us, I pray. God, recalibrate us. All of us, the sons and daughters, wander. We fall into temptation. We struggle. Give us a healthy, healthy sense of confession before you, knowing that when we confess our sins, you're faithful to forgive us. Thanks for hearing our prayers in Christ's name. Amen.